This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. Welcome back to the Science Fictionary Podcast, the official podcast of the sciencefictionary.com. I'm here tonight with Marisha. Hey, everybody. And David. Hello. And we're going to talk a little bit about, we uh, we kind of wrapped up our Pillars of Sci-Fi last week, and we're kind of gearing up. Uh, in the next week or two, we will launch our Pillars of Fantasy series. Woohoo! Um, to get all those things. We've actually had a lot of suggestions from people uh, for things that we should have included on our list, uh-huh. and a lot of them actually fell in the fantasy category. Yep. So. Um, like, I know we've had Gilgamesh thrown out there. We've right. kind of had, like, you know, Egyptian and Hindu mythology. We've had Wheel of Time thrown out there. And all of those things will be discussed in length. Yep. So we're going <laughs> to we're gonna make a few little tweaks to our, our format for the Pillars of Fantasy. But we're really excited about doing that one. And that one seems to be... People are generally way more familiar with science fiction than they are with kind of what is the root of fantasy storytelling and what are the things that that shaped modern fantasy storytelling mm-hmm. and um and we'll kind of get into a little bit of what is the difference between the two uh-huh and yeah. so we're really excited i know david's already uh his list is already getting pretty lengthy <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i have an important question for you guys real quick okay. uh, that I, I thought would be cool to discuss here are we going to include epic poems under the novel slash literature section, or is that miscellaneous? That we were actually just discussing that earlier today. It's like, is it? It's not definitely not novels, but it is but literature, we, right? But we read them in. I would say things like that probably in the literature category, but if they overflowed to the miscellaneous category, that's okay too. Uh, kind of the way I look at the miscellaneous category is if you had five novels you really wanted to be in the list and you only got mm-hmm. four, mm-hmm. then maybe the fifth one gets kicked over to the miscellaneous list. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. Because your miscellaneous list can be novels or movies or TV. And so, gotcha. I mean, because I I think that, well, the things we talk about is literature, I think we're talking. I think I think epic poems, uh, Gilgamesh and uh, Beowulf. Beowulf and things like that. So, well, because I mean, the the thing about them though is, if they are like, really the the original version of them is an oral story, and it just somebody wrote it down at some right. point. Is it really primarily literature? Or is it really primarily an oral story that that just somebody finally documented? Right. So, um, and I would say is, that there's, probably there's actually a couple of different things that I already have admit. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think it's kind of where with the other where we ended up. Even though it says novels on the list, we kind of said literature. Mm-hmm. So, and I think your dad even threw a comic book in the literature, or maybe you did. One of y'all threw a comic I, book I, out I there. Did. Okay, so you you actually had a comic book in that category. So 
I mean, yeah, I would say that you could certainly put things like the epic poems in in the literature category. It's going to be a free-for-all, see who can, everybody is going to claim an epic poem by the time it's all said and done, I Well, think. the thing is, is I, I, I think they belong, I think they belong there. Uh-huh. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so, you know, whether you're talking about writings of, of Homer or about Gilgamesh or Beowulf, I mean, those things certainly belong. Mm-hmm. Now with Beowulf, it's a, you know, I, again, you know, all those things have been translated numerous times and mm-hmm. started off as, yeah. as, you know, verbal stories, you know, not, not written stories. And so, I, yeah, but I would, mm-hmm. I mean, I've kind of started fleshing out my list and, and in my working list for the first category, I did, inc- I do have uh, Gilgamesh and Beowulf on my working list. So yes, mm-hmm. I would certainly say that those things are acceptable to include in the first, you know, in the the literature list. Um, it doesn't mean some of them might not wind up, but you know, it, the thing is, if you're doing the really the the foundations of everything that sci-fi, I mean, that's it. That fantasy. early fairy tale. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, a fantasy is is things like the epic poems and early fairy tales and things that aren't exactly novels. Mm-hmm. They're you know often oral tradition mm-hmm. that has carried over into written tradition. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's why I was saying that I think is interesting is that I'm actually having the most trouble narrowing down my my misc list mm-hmm. my miscellaneous list right yep. because there's so many different like science fiction is like relatively speaking science fiction is a new thing oh yeah, yeah. for sure uh, i know we went into about how like true history and like these older things but like you have something like fantasy that has been around since like since humans have been telling stories mm-hmm. exactly there's been fantasy there's been legends fairy tales right um, so it's really hard to narrow down. And so that's why I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun talking about it. And we're going to bring up some interesting debates and trying to narrow it down to fit a list. This, this is a challenge. This is a challenge yeah. that we are undertaking here. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and it's just, it's so, since it's so much older, I mean, even if you want to call true histories, you know, okay, we're going to, if we're going to like dub that the first science fiction, what, second century A.D.? That's still it's still certainly fantasy. Um, but it's still in in compared to Gilgamesh, for example, a really new invention. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, right. Compared to you know the kind of stories that you see in sacred texts, you know, all over the world. You know, I mean, the stories that are laid out, you know, in in Egyptian papyrus um well so, yeah mm-hmm. most of the earliest written stories that we still have on record are yeah. stories of fantasy mm-hmm. so it yeah it blows my mind how old things are things like that there are going to uh-huh. be things on our list that are older than the birth of christ oh yeah. lots of that just blows my mind mm-hmm. you yeah. know like when there was no rome so really- there was no you know I mean, some of these some of these mm-hmm. stories are older than any any civilization that we have ever seen. You know, like the, the, even the ruins of some of these civilizations that created these stories are gone, and that's that's pretty staggering. 
Yeah, yeah. so that's going to be a really cool concept to get into. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, that will be coming up probably... You'll either get that next Thursday or the next. I, I'm not sure if we're going to have one week or two before we start that, but it is coming up really soon. Soon, yep. But tonight, this week, we kind of reached out to our listeners to see if they felt like there was anything in particular that we missed, sh- that we missed, that we should have had on our list and and didn't get it on there. And um, we didn't get just a ton of response to it. We had a few things that I felt like kind of really more um, should really fall more into our fantasy category. In fact, we had a few things kind of offered up as suggestions that I'm like 99% sure will land in our Pillars of Fantasy list. Yeah. But one of our listeners, uh, the Backyard Tardis, did send us in... A number of things, and I thought we could talk over those real quick before we jump over to talk about Star Trek Into Darkness. He had plenty of suggestions, and um, the first one on his movies, and and we're just going to kind of go through real quick, you know, and talk about all of these and uh, how they kind of relate to what we've already done. But the first one on his list was Iron Man. And while it is relatively new... It is one of the movies that changed the way we ex- really set a bar for what we expect to see when we watch a superhero movie. Yeah. And even watching as much as I love Tobey Maguire, you know, and Spider-Man, it's like Iron Man changed it. It's like all of a sudden the gravitas and the humor and and that in the just phenomenal special effects just all sort of met in this kind of perfect storm that yeah is definitely been really really influential it's like there's it's like watching sci-fi like pre-star wars sci-fi and post-star wars sci-fi it's kind of the same way mm-hmm. with action movies and especially superhero movies it's like pre-iron man and post-iron man yeah yeah, I agree. And I actually, Iron Man's one of the things that I thought about later and was like, I probably should have like at least talked about it or touched on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. We had a lot of movies in there. And plus, I, I actually did say like um, the Marvel, just Marvel mm-hmm. comic book cosmic universe in general, but mm-hmm. not just the cosmic universe. I really should have pointed out all of it because like a guy walking around in, in a iron mech suit and a guy who was hit with radiation so becomes a raging monster and a super right. soldier that's all sci-fi that's all sci-fi yeah yeah comic books that's are fiction. you cannot understate the importance of comic books whether it be in a comic book or on or what they've done with them on on movie screens and tv screens as being incredibly influential to to sci-fi mm-hmm and of course, you know, Iron Man laid the the foundation for the most successful movie franchise of all time. Yep. Still just mm-hmm. trucking on. And what would eventually become become just the most um the highest grossing movie ever made. Right. right. Which is yep. insane. And I mean, it's probably, there's probably not even any comparison between the franchise, the amount of money that the franchise has made and every other franchise. Even Star Wars. I mean, 
of course, every Star Wars movie just like breaks records, but there have been what 10 Star Wars movies, 12 Star Wars movies at this point, and there are something like 20 something MCU movies, you know, right? And they're not slowing down anytime soon. No, it's just gonna keep growing, and, and it doesn't, it's it's. I don't know when it's going to stop. I mean, at some point, presumably, you know, Westerns were that way for a long time. It was just, it was like the fallback genre, you know. Um, and and eventually, you know, kind of the world kind of moved on from it, except my grandfather. He is mm-hmm. still firmly team Gunsmoke and Bonanza. And <laughs> the same episodes That's over what- and over. Right. So maybe someday our kids will feel that way about <laughs> um, the next thing. Oh, yeah, that's going to be me. And... Uh-huh. Yeah. Sorry. Um, no, it's fine. Uh, the next thing on on, uh, on the list was Stargate. Yeah. Which I, I, you know, I heavily considered Stargate. You know. But I really, f- you know, what I arrived at was you don't get Stargate without Star Trek. Okay, but here's the, you know, he's saying though movies. And whenever I think Stargate, I think the TV series, and this TV series is very Trekkian. The movie is not. The movie is not. The movie is, you know, and like I I really, as much as I really enjoy the Stargate series, I understand why the the creators don't really love, of of the, the original movie don't love it because it was, it's a really unique thing. It is. And it kind of kind of got shoehorned into a kind of Star Trek style serial. To ser- yeah, the serialized version. But, Although they did some things there that Star Trek, even in this TV series, they did a lot of things that Trek didn't do. It's true. Uh, where they blended it with military science fiction. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I mean, it's it's been hugely successful. You know, he, he mentions that it... Um, has influenced like several made-for-TV movies and three different TV shows and uh, a web series, which I actually like the web series. Have you watched it yet? I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Um, but have you seen the just the Stargate movie, um, David? I have seen the Stargate movie, and that's actually all I've seen. I haven't seen the series, uh, just the movie. And I personally, like, I adore that movie um, for all of its faults and everything. Like, I... I think it's great. Um, And I did also think about it, but when I started thinking about it and I started researching to see what other people thought about it, because I know that I liked it, but like I didn't know what other people thought and if it was really influential. Mm -hmm. It just didn't come across to me as something that was widely considered, something that was even widely considered to be good. Hmm. Um, Really? I I, I saw a lot of, um, I saw a lot of mixed reactions. Um, from people who are fans of stuff like Star Trek and Star Wars, a lot of people saying that like Stargate is kind of this like it's just not on the same level, I hmm. guess, uh, as what people were saying. I still adore it. I still like it. That was just my personal like what I found. Maybe I'm um, just saw read the the wrong blogs and watched the wrong videos. Uh, you, um, who knows? I mean, Stargate that's sort of what I came to. Yeah, I mean, Stargate has an enormous following. That movie didn't um, didn't necessarily review very well, but it's become one of the more beloved pieces. It's of kind science of a cult fiction. classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, 
Um, I can certainly, you know, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't on my working list. It just didn't. That was kind of the hard thing about mm-hmm. narrowing it down to four. And honestly, I tried to stay. I try because of what we were trying to do. I tried to stay as early as yeah. possible. And ultimately, that's kind of what shoved Stargate off my initial list. So I'm I'm glad to see it show up on the on the listeners list. Yeah, well, because you know there was there's been a lot more talk about you know wormholes and in that kind of thing. It was a it was a really novel kind of concept approaching space travel. You know that doesn't space travel sands the ships. Yeah. You know, and that's mm-hmm. kind of been something that other people have explored since then, but I don't really remember coming across much of that before Stargate. So, yeah, I think it deserves to be on on the list. Yeah. And, of course, the next one is a book that I didn't really consider, but it probably should have been on my working list, and that was Starship Troopers. Hmm. Um, that book was published in 1959, was one of the first major books that dealt with military science fiction. Interesting. I didn't even realize it was a book. Like, I knew there was a series, and, you know, I knew there had been some different stuff, but I didn't even I didn't even know it's a book. That's uh, very interesting. I mean, prior to that, you only have a couple of pieces of real military science fiction. H.G. Uh, Wells is The Land of the Ironclads. Okay. And, you know, a couple other things like that. But, you know, we talked about it. Really, the 50s and 60s were the heyday of science fiction. Mm -hmm. There was so much amazing science fiction in that that stretch of time. And, uh, yeah, Starship Troopers is a a great one. And and that's a, you know, he's got it here as basis for military sci-fi. And, you know, while there were some military science fiction things that predated it i would say that maybe it's more important than those yeah because that's the thing is is something just because someone doesn't does it first doesn't mean that someone doesn't do it better and make much bigger of a splash you know like i mean when you talk about hg wells nobody thinks about the land of the ironclads because it's overshadowed by his own work so right exactly um, David, you got any thoughts on Starship Troopers, the book? I didn't realize it was a book. It is. Uh, a pretty good one. Honestly, my only thoughts were, wait, is that the one with John Travolta? But no, that is, uh, I'm thinking of like that's Battlefield Casper, Earth or whatever. Yeah, that's Casper Van Dien. Yeah, in, that was a book, wasn't it? Uh, which one? The one with John Travolta. The one with John Travolta. The the was it Battlefield Earth? Battlefield or Earth, that yes. Horrible movie. Yes, also a book. Yeah. See that I don't. I'm. That's just where my mind was. That's my only thought on Starship Troopers. Is wait, is that the one with John Travolta? <laughs> you know, not that one. <laughs> the other one. Yeah, that's the uh, that's one of those uh, one of the L. Ron Hubbard novels. Uh, okay. Yeah, the man that oh. created Scientology. And from my understanding, the Perfect. novel was actually really good, just the movie was horrible. <laughs> yes. Or yes, and that no, that that's correct. It's a it's a pretty important okay. book. Um the movie so was not very good. Is that a novel that we should have considered uh for the novel? It's probably Section? I think that the I think that the books that we arrived at probably more important than Battlefield Earth, but if we had pushed that list out 
a little bit and made it a little bigger, yeah, it, it would have been one that would have made sense to have landed on the list. If we had actually done I'm the sure. same thing with um, the last round of lists as we're going to do with the next round of lists, it would have probably made it. Maybe. I don't know if I would say Battlefield Earth as a top. Oh, six. I'm sorry. Uh, I was I was back on Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers? My, maybe. I would say Battlefield Earth, not a top five, 15 science fiction novel, but it's mm-hmm. certainly a really good one that's worth reading. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And the, honestly, for me, that was the biggest, that was the hardest thing was like, because all of the things that wound up on my list were not my favorites. Um, just as, yeah. you know, they're like, there are things that have been really influential that it's like, may just not be my cup of tea, but it's like, it's really influenced how sci-fi kind of went for it. Yeah. So, alas. And, and there's th- a couple things that I'm like, I have to stop and think like, man... Is the Princess Bride really a porn song, or is it just my favorite movie? Right, it's probably my favorite movie. Isn't it everyone's fa- like <laughs> so whose favorite movie is it not? It's got to be like everybody's favorite movie. It's the best. It should be if you've seen it. It's your favorite movie. Okay, so my six-year-old son and my ten-year-old daughter and my 30 no 40 year old husband all equally love the princess bride so that speaks well for it yeah 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 but so. i will have to get into the princess bride more when we start talking about fantasy, fantasy yeah that's just an sure. example like yeah it's hard to differentiate between your personal bias and, and what actually belongs up there yeah right it's true the next one he's got on here would have landed on the miscellaneous list in much the same spirit where we included the works of John Williams, the works of Ben Burt, Holst, uh, Miyamoto. Oh. Was it, wasn't Miyamoto a, a character in an episode of Chuck? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> or maybe it's just a stand-in for him. You know, like a, it's a similar type of character that created like a kill screen for one of his games or it was anyway yeah yeah there's there's something about him in there but but yeah i mean you're talking about the guy in fact i'll just read you the notes from the backyard tardis here you know talks about him inventing adding stories to games with mario he created star fox and and several other things uh you know he worked on the they they you know nintendo has the you know metroid and and all those things that Really, we have because this guy was a visionary mm-hmm. when it came to creating video games. He totally changed what a video game could be. I mean, he created Mario. He created Legends of Zelda. You know, I mean, those are, are some of the most iconic, right? Yep. Video games. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah. I mean. As far as what we've read so far, a lot of these things were were kind of on the bubble for for why they didn't make our list. But honestly, this is one I didn't consider that probably should have been on our mm-hmm. list. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, especially because I even talked about <clears throat> you talked about video games. games, yeah, and it just didn't click with me. Mm-hmm. Um. And then he has another game here, which uh, is Mega Man. And, you know, I would say that that would still fall under the category where we just kind of had a broad spectrum sci-fi video game category. Um, mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I mean, Mega Man certainly has been, you know, was a was a big science fiction video game. I kind of want to jump down here to these last two he's got on his list, though. Um, he has Voltron and Transformers. Hmm. I've thought about those since. That's the one. One of the that, yeah. that, that's one of the that and also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Those yeah. are the yes. those, those three properties that have actually been on my mind of like I should have brought that up if I could travel back in time mm-hmm. I if would you tell myself to mention that right well I mean a lot of the kids entertainment animated stuff from the early 80s um, even I mean even G.I. Joe is very sci-fi mm-hmm. yeah um, so yeah and I mean probably got a lot of people into it um, and of course Voltron was one of my favorites as a kid I mean I was a kid when the original came out. But the interesting thing about Voltron, you used to get find these on YouTube. I don't know if they're still there. There was a Japanese show called Beast Beast King Go Lion. The <laughs> Okay. It of is Of course, of course it is because it's a Japanese show. But it's literally <laughs> it's the animation from the original Voltron. Really? And when Voltron, Voltron was an effort to push that animation style into the U.S. market. And so they redubbed everything, changed the story a little bit, but it's mostly the same. It's basically the anti um, Power Rangers. They um, took a, an American show and, and changed the, the story and dubbed it in, in Japanese Instead of taking a Japanese show and changing the story and yeah. dubbing it in English. Um, granted, all of those shows were uh, Voltron, Transformers to an extent. Transformers a little different. But yeah, even Power Rangers. I mean, all this uh, Beast King Go Lion is the root. Oh, okay. So Beast King Go Lion is, is the, the root that all these other things kind of came from? Yes. All right. Interesting. Um, now, Transformers was a little bit different. And, of course, you also got GoBots in there. I don't know if David remembers GoBots. Mm-hmm. I have never heard of GoBots. Uh, GoBots were interesting. Um, I can't remember which toy company did GoBots. Um, let's see. Tonka. Hmm. So, basically, uh, they okay. got wind of Hasbro's Transformers that were about to come out. Mm-hmm. And so they rushed these things to market ahead of the Transformers. <laughs> wow. And they were never very good. They were always like subpar compared to the Transformers, but they rushed them out there to beat the Transformers to the market. Wow. That is hilarious. Yeah, I guess there's a reason I've never heard of them. They were just that good. Right. That not good. And of course, now they're owned by, you know, Hasbro owns Tonka now. So, uh, so I guess, I guess, uh, Hasbro owns the GoBots and the Transformers now. Oh, wow. They got the, they got the market corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Voltron was a fantastic series, even the eighties version, but the version that Netflix did a couple of years ago was one of the best animated series I've ever watched. I've heard it was really, really great. Yeah. It's worth watching. And the uh, the last thing he's got on his list kind of falls in the same category a little bit, except this started off more as 
Um, it started off as manga, which was Gundam. Hmm. Uh, but the Gundam stuff has been very popular with, you know, manga and anime becoming popular here in the United States. Those have been things that have been very popular and spawned some... Well, uh, he says it's the original Japanese mech suit show. So is that like a another precursor to like Voltron and Power Rangers? Probably sort of. I know that like what he's getting at is that like mech suits is pretty much a, a subgenre in anime. Hmm. Uh, just the idea of people in cool mech suits. Um, you know, if I would have thought about it and I, and I'm, I'm really not a fan of anime, but now that, you know, now that the backyard TARDIS mentions it, we probably should have given a little bit of love to anime because yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm not a fan of it, I but think I know about it and there's yeah. a ton of popular sci-fi anime and there's a huge fan base. Yep. And, um, and it's tons of sci-fi. Ghost in the Shell right. uh, is a big one that comes to mind. And and I'm I'm looking right now, and yes, the um, the TV series for for a mobile suit Gundam in April of 1979. Wow. So yeah, I mean that's that's a genre defining pro- mm-hmm. uh, property. So yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting one to add to the list. Yeah, that's very like worthy, I'd say. Yeah. For sure, and it, it fills in one of our weak spots because none of us have. Or, or the thing is, is we don't really have anybody on our cast here that's that's really that has ever really gotten that into anime. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that's sort of a weak spot for us, but um, yeah, that's certainly worth worthy of being on the list. Yeah, he had some like whenever I read. In fact, I think he even commented when I when I read through his initial list that he dropped. It was like, oh well, duh. Well, yeah, that that definitely. You know, there there were a few of them. I was like, I've never heard of this, but a couple of them was like, well, that definitely deserves. That definitely deserves to be there. How did I not think of that? Uh, uh, right, but I yeah. mean, it, it's one of those things where most of our lists only have between. I think they all have between twelve and fourteen items on them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's not a lot. You know, right. you're going to miss a lot of things. And that's why I thought it would be fun to throw this out there mm-hmm. and give someone a chance to say, well, hey, you missed this one. or Because we were bound to get some good suggestions, and we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you uh, to the Backyard TARDIS for those uh, terrific answers. Yes. Give us some other fun things to add to our list of things we got to watch. <laughs> All right. So... It is time to talk about... Drumroll, please. The next step in our Star Trek rewatch, or for David, Star Trek first-time watch. Yes. Um, We are um, marking the second issue into the Kelvin timeline with Star Trek Into Darkness. And, uh, you know, as always, I, I want to go to David on this one. Honestly, we, we rewatched it and it was one that I just, I just kind of watched it and, and forgot about it. Kind of, I, I didn't, I don't think I paid close enough of attention to this movie the first time I watched it, but I want to know what David thought about it since he just watched it for the first time. Yeah. So just watch it for the first time. Of course, this movie 
lives in um, infamy in, in many ways. There was the the big deal. I mean, I never watched it, never was a fan, but of course, I heard all about the big deal with J.J. Abrams saying that Benedict Cumberbatch isn't playing Khan, and then he totally is playing Khan. Yeah. Even if you, even if, like, if you watch within the first, like, half of the movie, it's like, oh, it's Khan. Um, But, you know, trying to put that aside and just enjoy it for what it was and watching the movie. And, you know, The Wrath of Khan, we can all agree, was probably the best Star Trek movie. So it's it's a big, um, big shoes to fill. Well, you're talking about one that's trying to watch it. Yeah, because you're kind of talking about one that's kind of everybody's favorite. So you're all you're taking a chance just mm-hmm. by doing this. Because just by doing this, yeah, direct and comparisons. You are inviting direct comparisons to the yeah. most beloved Star Trek movie ever made. Especially when you're you're you. They obviously um, copy exact beats very yep. intentionally. Copy copy beats from the from the original. And you know, just enjoying it for what it was. I, I did actually really enjoy this movie um i sort of i don't think it was as strong as the first one um i would rewatch that 2009 star trek movie uh in a heartbeat and this one i'd be a little bit more hesitant but i did like a lot about it i thought the performances were great as always mm-hmm. um I, I think that chris pine just gets better and better as kirk um I love the opening with uh, they're on this planet. You know, it felt very Star Trek. Like, okay, they're just on an adventure in a planet exploring, um, of course, uh, violating the Prime Directive and, and just mm-hmm. to save Spock. Um, as I thought that Kirk set up really nice. <laughs> yeah, as Kirk does. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was I thought that set up really nicely for what was going to be paid off later. Yeah. So there was a lot of that in this movie, I think, um, setting things up to pay off later. I thought that was great. Um, we got to see Klingons, uh, which was, you know, kind of cool. My biggest group uh, with the movie. I think we can all agree. The... Huh? I'm sorry. Continue. Wait, what did you say? We can all agree what? And I'll tell you if I agree. That that was probably, like, the biggest uh, letdown. Yes. Of, Least um, favorite thing. Of like the Kelvin is that they in the entire Kelvin timeline is the Klingons, yeah, yeah, and they just never because uh, I already spoilers I already watched Beyond because I actually did enjoy it and wanted to keep watching it. So I know they never do anything with the Klingons, but like okay, we got to see them at least. Um, so there were some things I really enjoyed. Uh, I think Khan himself. I mean, you can't hold a candle to that original. But I think he was fine. You know, I almost feel like I would have liked it better if it was just a new character, though. That's sort of what I kept feeling uh, while watching it was this is pretty great. And I like the plot that they're going with. I think I'd enjoy it a lot better if this wasn't Khan, if this was just a guy. But then, of course, you're doing the whole plot of he's a genetically enhanced mm-hmm. human. So it kind of has to be Khan. But. You could have wrote around that a little bit, I guess, or I don't know. Um, could we I just, have done I kinda, it and had my, a different my, my person woken up from it's, the... It's good. Ooh, that's a good... Uh, Andrew said, could we have done it and had a different person revived out of the cryostasis initially, other than Khan? Great, great idea. I mean, Khan's the leader, but like, 
you could have that would, I think that would have been great if you did that and then have a reference to Khan in there somewhere you have a scene where you're looking at him and you just see his name that like mm-hmm. Khan is one of them I think that would have been great um a great twist on it you still get the genetically enhanced human you get a you get an opportunity to learn about a different character mm-hmm. you know maybe they revive the one that is specifically somebody who specialized in creating weapons right, right. boom yeah. there you go they go and they look at the manifest and they're like, oh, this is the weapons developer. Wake him up. Exactly. Yeah. Wake him up. You do that. And then it's a great – then you actually have a great twist where you find out, oh, this is the – later you find out this is the Botany Bay guys. Like, oh, my God. That's right. awesome. Um, it's even – it could be a brother a or something, you know, somebody else from the same batch of – genetically it could be a brother or somebody else from the same batch of right you know whatever however they make something something you could have done with it um the one payoff of it being con that i did love i love the scene where spock calls ambassador spock yes and asks if they've ever encountered someone named con that that was breathtaking yes that that was was epic that made the whole thing worth it that, yeah. It was epic. It truly was. The look on his face, when you know this is that spot, and, and, and he looks down and he stops and he's like, I swore never to tell you anything, but Khan is so freaking dangerous. That being said, that I have to break my rule. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that being said, and then tells that Khan's the most cunning, dangerous, smartest, horrible villain, and, and that it was at great cost to defeat him. I loved that. That made the whole movie for me. Yeah, it was um, I thought really that was something. Really epic. What did I think about Kirk's death? You know, I think Chris Pine acted the hell out of it. Um, so I thought that was great. I, I do like the homage. Mm-hmm. Zachary Quinto's con screen that just it do- doesn't work for me as well as as the original. Um, you can't. I mean, the, that the, the just the raw emotion that was in that original con screen. You, when you're trying to copy it, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um. And also, the reason it works so well is because Khan is already dead. Mm-hmm. You know, Khan in, in the original Khan is already dead, but he got that last move. So Kirk's screaming, and that's the beauty of it. And this Spock gets to go punch him. And, and that's kind of like it. it, it. You never were, punch Khan in the original, you know. My kids are really unamused when they put him back in cryostasis. They were like, "Why didn't they kill him?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why didn't they kill him? They're just kicking um, that can I, down the road. And I was like, I was sitting there watching it. I was like, Yeah, I mean, that's all you're doing there when you put when you put those people back in cryo. Is you're just kicking the can a little bit farther down the road so you can make another Khan movie later. Yeah, exactly, and that's probably what they were going for, to be honest. And, and I agree. And it's and they put him back in cryo. And, and I also I don't like the action scene with Spock and, and punching him and like what did they they needed a sample because they could save Kirk or whatever. I mean, like what else were they gonna do? You know, like they're not gonna. It's a new franchise. You're not gonna kill Kirk, right? And so I guess I kind of expect like well, they're gonna do something, right? Right. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the thing. But that being is, said, I do think it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I do, I do like that they went ahead and you know extended it out and brought Kirk back. 
so that you didn't have to also follow the original and have another movie yeah. next to go get Kirk to find some way to bring Kirk back. Let's right. just get it get it done so we can move on to something new. Yeah. Because apparently the original, I didn't realize this, I was reading the other day, the original plan with Wrath of Calm was like, to for, Leonard Nimoy was done. He was done, yeah. just kill the character and be done with it. And like there was such a negative backlash in all the test screenings because they killed Spock that they had to put, they had to have include that scene with the casket on the Genesis planet. There at the end, because it was just, really? it was making people just that mad. The mere prospect really? of, of killing off Spock, yeah. Now, the thing I will say for this movie is, I liked it the first time I saw it, but I never thought a whole lot about it. And I've seen it a couple of times since, most recently just rewatched it. I probably watched it when I bought it, and I hadn't watched it since. And... I like this movie more every time I watch it. Yeah. And I think every time I watch it, I'm a little more able to just for it to be what it is without the weight of trying to retell something. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think this is the first time that I've watched it since I saw Wrath of Khan. The first time I saw this movie, I had not seen Wrath of Khan. I just, in fact, I think we went back and watched Wrath of Khan after Into Darkness came out because you were like, okay, now you got to see like what, because I, mean, I didn't get any of the references except for just a general knowledge that Khan is the Star Trek villain, right? Um, I think I had, may have be had seen the con mm-hmm. episode in the original series, but I had not seen the movie. Um, and there was also there was a lot of debate around this movie before it came out. There was there was a lot of there were people who were unhappy because Khan, um, even though was he was played by a British actor originally. There, the the backstory involved a character that um, was from India, I think, and so there was a lot of there were a lot of people were unhappy because Cumberbatch is very white, um, and he was you know playing this mm-hmm. character that came from India, and then there was well you know, and then J.J. Abrams was like it's totally not Khan, which of course now nobody ever believes anything he says, <laughs> and pre- like literally mm-hmm. every like half of our conversations when we were talking about uh, Star Wars movies that he was making, like yeah, well Khan isn't in Into Darkness either, you know, like he just like totally like yeah. wrecked his credibility, uh, you know, with with all, all of all of that. No, it's a character named John Harrison. It's to- like. But that being said, aside from kind of all the conversation around it, I really love the movie. I really do. Um, I, you know, like you said, the casting is just so excellent. Um, now, I'm not sure. I don't necessarily love some of the Spock loses his mind um, kind of moments that we get going in this movie. Like we see, yeah. Although uh, the Kelvin, uh, well, we've Spock, kind of established that Spock. This Spock has not. He he did not complete this. He he did not complete the discipline of Colinar, did he? No, he didn't. Oh, you know what? That's like just now as we're having this conversation, 
because he's talking about he's talking to her if i accept the in, in the first movie if i accept admission into the vulcan science academy and complete the discipline of colonar and purge all emotion but he didn't do that did he No, he didn't. That's a good point. So, so we do have a a half human Spock, which we never really had before. He 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 was biologically half human, but he was culturally Vulcan. Right. He had chosen to be Vulcan. So you've got a Spock who's a little more, you know, a little more prone to emotion, mm-hmm. even though he tries. Because I mean, there's even a scene in there where he tells you know, in the the death scene where he's like, "How do you?" not feel these things and Spock says I, I don't know yeah oh my gosh y'all and how about the the spat with him and Ahura will this be a problem for you two to work together no <laughs> unclear <laughs> I do like I do like their relationship I I, I do and I think unclear. that clear um I think my dad reference Daniel for the listeners he mentioned that he didn't like their relationship uh, when we talked about the 2009 movie, but I'm actually a fan of it. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of fun to see. Um, and I, like, I do like their arguing their spat when they're on the, when on the ship. I thought yeah. that was great. Um, I mean, it reminds me, I love the introduction of Khan. Oh, sorry. What? Yeah. Oh no. I was, I was just going to agree with what you were kind of saying about the relationship. Um, in some ways I feel that it's very much, you know, I mean, Andrew and I have been married almost 12 years, and um, it's very much like a long-term committed relationship. It's like where the things that piss you off the most are the ones where, like, I feel like you weren't taking good enough care of yourself, you know, kind of things. You know, like, what would it do to me if you had died in that mm-hmm. volcano? You know, like, do you not care? You know, and, and yeah, it's... Uh, it's fun. Oh, and and I do also that that red and uh and white planet was pretty beautiful. Yeah, man, it's so pretty. Oh yeah, that was. The movie is just staggeringly well, beautiful. That uh that opening scene though was actually really wonderful for explaining to my children why the prime directive is a thing. Yeah. You know, at the end, right, when they're dropping are- this scroll that they were worshiping, they just drop it on the ground like trash to bow down to this image of the starship. Yeah. I thought that was really cool and interesting. And, and I, I'm actually curious, like, I wonder what happened to that, to that, to that society. I wish we would have yeah. gone to see that because that's, like, an actual interesting idea. Like, these people are, like, are straight up, like, so far from a point where right. they even have technology. Like these are like just tribes. invented the wheel kind of people. Yeah. Just, inve- just invented the wheel kind of people. Like, yeah, I think I couldn't think of like a thing to say about it, but yeah, exactly. Like I want to know what happened there. I thought that was a great opening scene. I wish we would have gone back to it. And I think that's kind of cool. How like, um, I, I, I think it makes sense for setting up Kirk's character when they get back to earth and Pike is like, you, what what are you doing? Like, okay, and and it, and it sets it up uh, nicely for uh, Kirk to then be like, 
uh, Pike's first officer. So he's in that meeting. Right. And then Kirk starts figuring out um, what Khan's plan was. And as he's figuring it out, we're figuring it out. And we're starting to understand. And he's like, he knew that if he did that, all the leaders of Starfleet would be in this room mm-hmm. right now. Oh crap! Like I love that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Pike's death. I actually, you know, like we didn't get to see a whole lot of him these past few movies, but I I, I buy that it affected Kirk right as much as it did. Yeah, uh, because of course the only reason he's in Starfleet is because of Pike. Right. Um, obviously, a father figure role. Right, yeah. Um, I think it sets it up really cool for the uh, the admiral then to like be gung ho, like give him a ship back and go, and 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 you're sort of feeling with uh, with Kirk and and feeling like um, not even thinking about how weird this kind of is, and you're just going with it because you're angry and you want to get to. To, right. to the Klingon planet, you want to find him, and you have Scotty being like, "This is weird. Let me look and see what's in these missiles. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not okay." But Kirk is like so concerned with it. Kirk's gonna kill him, but then you got Spock talking him out of it. So then he makes a decision. He's like, oh, "We're gonna capture him," which is not what the Admiral wanted. Right. But he didn't. But as always, and that's what's great about these movies is the relationship between the characters. He didn't count on the right. relationship between Spock and Kirk mattering that much he didn't count on jiminy cricket being like that's wrong exactly yeah exactly um i wish bones would have been there for that though (laughs) yeah Uh, right now that i think about it i wish bones would have been there to say like hey what are you doing jim Mm -hmm. my god man what are you doing Uh, (laughs) exactly yeah so i thought that was all really great and it kind of sets it up this like something is not quite it's mm-hmm. not not everything is as it seems here. Yeah. Well, and but I we think, also know we can't trust Khan. Right. But is he really the bad guy here? Like, what's going on right. here? Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. I mean, the movie. I I kind of even though we know it's the wrath of Khan or whatever, like, we, I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I really right. didn't. Yeah, I mean they and they I did it, it in uh, yeah cool. they did it in such a way where for a while you're going you know this could end very differently than the Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Yeah. And it exactly. definitely has that potential um, because we do have a lot of characters that really behave differently. You know, different different kind of backgrounds. Um, you know, different kind of factors going on. But you yeah. know, it's that butterfly. Yeah, exactly that. But they stepped on that butterfly, dadgummit, and changed all the things. We have we have Spock that punches people. We have Khan that, you know, didn't get picked up by the Enterprise 30 years from now. It's just all no. just a whole bunch of different stuff going on. But this, this is a movie that I feel like every time I watch it moves up my list. Yeah. Um, every time I watch it, I feel like I appreciate this movie a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But for all of the drama that was around it and things people, the, the complaining, you're talking about a movie that's got an 84 on Rotten Tomatoes, an 89 audience score, and, uh, cinema scores, it had an A on you know hmm. its release week. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about a movie that did really well, both money-wise and and reviews, ratings. Yeah. 
And I think it deserved yeah, it. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I think it does too. And, and I just kind of assumed that like it was hated, but I think that's just because of the really vocal <laughs> contingent that hated talked it. About it. Yeah, exactly. We've talked about it so many times on the show. That panel of Star Trek people yep. we went to one time. And that was right before uh, this movie. Yeah, it was. Um, and I, was it before or was it after? It was right before. And they were throwing a fit about this movie before just a matter of months before it came out. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, um, and then I, I mean, and just continuing to hear from those kind of people on the internet, I thought everyone hated this movie. I thought this was the worst I movie ever. Really I really thought... Like, I knew I liked it, but I just kind of thought that I was like, you know, like Jupiter Ascending was kind of like the the uh, consensus on this show. It's like, I mean, I, I liked it fine, but everybody else hated it. Turns out a lot of people really liked it, and so did I. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's actually a good lesson of like how we have to be careful what we hear, because that's what happened a lot of times where like mm-hmm. movie comes out. I think the collective scuttlebutt is this is horrible. I watch it. Turns out it's not that bad and then i go and find a lot of people actually kind of liked it mm-hmm. and then it's a nice little fandom to discuss it that hap- that that's a cycle that never ends for me for right. sure yeah. um and i think this movie fell into that trap and and i wish we would have gotten more kelvin time on movies i'm sure we'll talk about that more with beyond coming out but it's so Man. weird this movie came out what huh i was i was agreeing yeah it came out three years after the first one right mm-hmm. right this, this was, was 2013. 2013. Wow. Wow. That was even more than I, longer than I thought. And then Beyond was like, what, 2016? Mm. Something like that. Yeah. I like, I would 2016. Really I think there was three years between each one. I would really be happy right. if in a couple of the years. First one, 2000, what was yours the first one? 09? Oh, oh, first nine, one was yeah. 2009. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I really hope, I know that they're, they're kind of just not planning to do anything more with this, but I really hope in a few years it kind of comes back around. I mean, the thing is, all these actors are still plenty, plenty young to do Star Trek again. Yeah. Um, but I tell you what, am I the only one who just wants to cry every time, you know, we see Chekhov come bounding across the screen? Yeah, I yeah, you know that's ultimately you know, and I, I said this at some point, and and Daniel kind of corrected me, but the truth is, is that things began to unravel for making another movie after Anton Yelkin died. Yeah, um, his death really hit all of these people real hard. Yeah, and I think a lot of them, a lot of the key pieces, just kind of lost interest in doing it and i know there were a lot of like kind of production kind of reasons but i think that that may have been kind of what took the spirit out of it yeah because i mean there was a lot of stuff where they you know had some contract issues and people who were leaving to do other things but they it all the all the unraveling seemed to start with with that uh which had a had a big impact on on a lot of the cast um, that's really tragic because he was he really was excellent yeah. um, as Chekhov and uh, I hope he would I'm sure he would have had a bright career ahead of him mm-hmm. yeah 
He's only, what, 22? I think he was 22. I mean, man. 22? 22. Yeah. It's so tragic. What was he like? He was just a teenager when he filmed the first one then, right? Yeah. He may have really wow. been 17. Yeah, I think he oh, was. Oh, good. He's 17. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. He was pretty much just a, he was just a kid when he did the first oh, one. Oh, he was literally said, wow, that's crazy. He's excellent. Yeah, he um, really at, is. As Chekhov. And, and you're right. Phenomenal. I do. Every time I saw him and like, especially how great he was and like how much he had to do, uh, I had the same reaction. Like, man, that's, that's, I was like, oh man, he's great. When he told him, um, go and below and put on a so red sad. shirt. I was like, I'm going to cry. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of these people, oh, when yeah. you do multiple movies together and you do these con circuits together mm-hmm. and stuff, I mean, you get to kind of be a family and, yeah. you know, you lose somebody like that and it just kind of kills the, yeah. the spirit. It's it's the same reason we don't have a Galaxy Quest TV show. Yep. Except after Alan Rickman died. Because, Alan, because they were working on it. Alan Rickman died and everybody went, look, maybe in a few years, but right now... We just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, there has been talk. There were rumors, apparently, that, um, and I would have loved to have seen it, of doing a TV series with uh, with Sulu. With John Cho as, as the captain of the Excelsior. Yep. That'd I mean, because... awesome. And I would, watch, I would watch a TV series. All right. You know, I was talking about it to Marisha the other night. If they wanted to continue... The Kelvin timeline, they don't have to do the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. I mean, because... We could go get what we never true. got and see Sulu as captain. We only got to see that one little bit of it. I mean, how, like... I had just forgotten that scene with him. Um, you know, they're, they're like, oh, you know, I mean, Sulu's a great guy, but he's no captain, you know. And then his, like, you know, 30-second... Captain moment, and everybody's like, "Damn!" Jaw drop. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. I mean, that you know, really, and, really cool. you know, do not test me. And he's just like laying it down, and everybody's like, "Wow, we didn't know you had that in you." Yeah. So hopefully, yeah. this is something that will come back around, and you know, maybe we'll get another another Kelvin timeline movie down the road if they. Um, if they ever really right now, it kind of seems that Paramount's still not real sure what they even want to do. I mean, they're announcing all these new series and uh, they keep talking about a movie and it just never seems to come together. So, you know, there's so, so I, at I least Michael Bay isn't making one. Oh, Right, but they're talking about, I mean, you know, they keep talking about Tarantino making a Star Trek film. And it's like, I love Quentin Tarantino, yeah. but I don't need a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek. Mm-mm. Like that I'd just, love to see it. <laughs> to <laughs> know what right, the, but it's like, it's, it's one of those like, you know, watching the car wreck sort of things. It's like, I, I if it came out, I would watch it, <laughs> but sort of out of morbid curiosity because it's like, those two things just don't seem to mesh. Mm-hmm. No, maybe maybe it would be the greatest thing ever. And, uh, and it could but, be, but you just, you never know. But it, it seems like an odd yeah. choice. It seems like an odd departure. Um, And then I don't know yeah. if you saw, I mean, they've got this trailer for this new animated series um, called uh, The Lower Decks. 
which... Uh, uh, no, I haven't seen that. I believe is the title is actually a reference to a Next Generation episode, but um, I think it's done by the people who did Rick and Morty. Oh, okay. And so I think there, there, I, there I'm sure there's going to be a market for it, but it seems like, you know, so I love parody. I, I love the Orville. I, I love all the Star Trek parody. I mean, we did a whole episode and talked about that stuff. Um, there's been you mean several Star Wars parody, Star Wars parody, but then I do like Star Trek parody too. I mean, you got the Orville and you've got, um, you know, several other, other shows that have been parodies of Star Trek, but there's always a danger in becoming a caricature of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of these things. I mean, it looks, so the trailer, it, it looks very Rick and Morty and it's, the the humor is irreverent, and it, I'm sure, and, and it and it's going to have an audience. I don't have any doubt about that. But it, to me, it doesn't. It, it kind of, if Star Trek is Gene Roddenberry's vision for humanity, then what is this? And it's like <laughs> because it it's it's such a it's such a far departure. And so while I like parody and like making fun of things, it's dangerous to do it yourself. It's, it's, it's dangerous to do yeah. a parody, but it's not, a, that's the thing. It's not a parody. It, it is Star Trek. It's Star Trek, the lower decks. And so it's Star one Trek, of, the joke. So it's one of those things that's like, this is Star Trek. So now if you embrace this, like you really no longer to have any room to look at something in Star Trek and go, well, that was stupid. Andrew and, has opinions. And on so, this. I'm not the only one. They got ratioed pretty bad on YouTube on that trailer. Really? Yeah. But and like it, you it said, doesn't sound like something I'd be interested in for sure. The thing about it is, is it may be fine. It's really not for me. It's not directed at me. I, you know, that's the other side of it. They're not marketing that to me. So there mm-hmm. is certainly an audience they're trying to reach with that. And if it if it does well, and it, you know, who knows, it may be something I enjoy when it comes out, but it's my real problem. The, the, I guess the, the biggest part of the problem with it is, is I watched the trailer and I didn't laugh once in a two and a half minute trailer. And it's supposed to, and it's supposed to be funny. And I'm just sitting there looking at it. What is this? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe the trailer, sometimes people that make the trailers aren't the, you know, they, they don't necessarily, even have the best stuff to work with when they make the trailer. So maybe it will end up being really, really funny, but I was not really, there was nothing about the trailer that was like, yeah, I can't wait to watch that. But again, not marketed to me. Well, you know me, I'm, I'm a stick in the mud. <laughs> I just like, I watched it and I was like, yeah, but again, I don't even really generally like Futurama that much. It's Which just, is crazy. it's a little, it's just a little too goofy for me. Futurama's not goofy. Futurama's not goofy. <laughs> the Talking Heads. Okay, Futurama is one of my favorite TV shows ever. I'm not saying that it's not funny and that it's not for some people, but you know, it, it just may just be one of those things that you feel about the new Star Trek uh, below decks, like I feel about Futurama. Like uh, maybe it's funny, it's just really not my thing. Right. So, but anyway, that was kind of a tangent. Does anybody have anything else about Star Trek Into Darkness before we wrap up for the night? I like it. I think it's the best Star Trek movie ever made. 
<laughs> really? Just Do kidding. Really? But maybe. Okay. Well, that's going to be interesting. After we talk about Beyond next week, I think we really do need to sit down mm-hmm. and and rank all the Star Trek movies. Because after that, that's it. That's kind of crazy. There hasn't been any more Star Trek movies. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. got to be more Star Trek movies eventually. Prime or Kelvin. Yeah. I mean, um, we're going to get something eventually. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, as you can see with this, they weren't necessarily in this huge hurry to crank these movies out. Yeah. Which is one of the things that makes me think, even though they're like, you know, after the last one didn't just make bank, they were like, that's it. And I was like, I mean, the thing is, they didn't start making the original Star Trek movies till those actors were in their 40s and 50s. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, we've got another good 30 years before uh, Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto are just working on, you know, too mm-hmm. old to, to pull off pull it off anymore, you know? So Yeah. I'm I just hate hoping that, that it I hate comes that so much. And then it make bank. It was successful. Not every movie you make is gonna make a billion dollars. Yep. But whenever a billion you billion dollars sp- is a lot of money. But when you spend the kind of budget that they that they spend making these Star Trek movies, if they had given them the kind of budget that they gave the original Star Trek movies, then it wouldn't have needed to make that much money. But wow, howdy, does it make a difference <laughs> whenever you give a Star Trek movie a Star Wars budget? You're right. I agree. I just I feel like sometimes I feel like studios expect that every movie they make is going to end up on the cracking the top ten list of highest grossing movies of all time. I mean, it made and 185 that, million dollars. That's no, it that was the budget. Oh, that was the it budget. made 343 and a half million. So I mean, it made more than twice as budget. Like. I don't know. But it didn't crack records. Yeah, but everything can't crack records. That's what I'm saying. Like not yeah. every, but I I sometimes get this feeling from movie studios that everything has to like yeah. Do that. As they like continue to funnel more and more I guess time and talent, you know, they, there's only so much you know, a studio, I guess there's only so many movies a studio can make a year. I don't know. But it seems like one should be able to make a movie that doubles its budget. You know, that it, it, as long as it makes money, you know, af- after everybody's been paid. I mean, once your all of your actors and your crew, your cast, your, you know, all of your overlords in production have all been paid and the movie still makes money. How is that a loss? Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, okay, so there's a little secret with, uh, budgets that they don't tell you. That's just, you would think it would be included in budget, but budget does not include marketing. Okay. So a lot of times a movie that looks like it made money, might have actually lost a lot because of the amount the of money they spent marketing it. Um, and I, I'm relatively I certain that Beyond I lost money. Beyond also was about a hundred, made about a hundred million dollars less than Into Darkness, even though it had a very similar. Uh, rate you know rotten, rotten tomato score and user score and cinema score, it scored very well. What did it, it open just didn't against? Make money. 
I don't know. I mean, it opened in July of 2016. So what Marvel movie did it open against? <laughs> no, I'm serious. You know, honestly. <laughs> okay, what opened in June? It didn't open against anything that big that should have interfered with it in June, you know, in July. Uh, Purge is pretty popular. Yeah, that's true. But I, as far as things that should have put a dent in Star Trek and its audience. Now, in June of 2016, you had the Warcraft movie, uh, the Independence Day resurgence. The Conjuring Part 2. Nothing that really should have... Ninja Turtles, Free State of Jones? Yeah, so the thing is, is it didn't... It It didn't didn't, open against anything huge. No, it didn't open against anything that should have kept it from making money. Huh. So the bottom line, whatever it was, for some reason, this movie didn't... didn't, uh, Just didn't make the money. Despite... The reviews on it and everything being fine. Uh, Whether it was the fact that J.J. Abrams had moved on from the series, because that one wasn't J.J., that one was uh, Justin Lin. And uh, Simon Pegg wrote Beyond. Oh, interesting. So it was was kind of a different, you know, different people involved in the production side. So whatever it was, it, it, it took such a nosedive, whether it made money or not, it's it's box office was, and and honestly, they were going to make a fourth one, and, yeah. and they had contract issues. Okay. So, I think just after a little bit with the contract issues, they finally just pulled the plug. I mean, they talked about still making this up until like you know twenty eighteen or so. They were still acting like they were making the fourth movie. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe someday. But anyway, um, unless anybody's got anything else they wanted to add about Into Darkness, I think we're probably done for the night. I could probably talk about it for another couple hours, so we should probably uh, cut <laughs> me off call here. It. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Marisha, where can people find you online? You can find me at princessesandpadawans.com, on Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore padawans, and ppadawans on Twitter. And David, where can people find you online? You guys can find me on Twitter at stay underscore creative ED and on my YouTube channel, Creative D&D. All right. You can find me running the Twitter account for this show at Sci underscore Fictionary. You can find me running our other podcast at Coruscant Radio Underground, where we talk about all things Star Wars. You can find us at the sciencefictionary.com. You can find me gaming uh, regularly on my Twitch channel. Uh, my username there is darklighter580. You can drop us a line at the sciencefictionary.com. And as, a, all, and as always, you can check us out at red5network.com where you can find us along with the rest of our podcast family. And until next time, live long and prosper.